Well, um, all right. Well, Peter, um, you were on an Armour Waterways cruise last year, and are you going to do another one? Yes, actually. Oh, cool. I just recently found out I'll be doing one in the summer of 2016. Oh, great. Well, we'll talk about that. I'm always in the business of shameless self-promotion for other people. So do you want to talk about <laughs> your winery, your career, whatever, whatever will right. do you some good, we'll talk about. How's that? Sure, sure. Well, I think I have the uh, the best job in the wine business. I've been in the business now for over 35 years. I actually started as a retailer, worked in retail for 20 plus years. And then I was fortunate to move to Napa Valley in the year 2000 and took a job working for Copia, the American Center for Wine, Food, and the Arts. Oh, yes. Copia was started by Robert Mondavi and Julia Child, as you may know. And it was a not-for-profit center that was meant to celebrate wine in the accompaniment of food and in the presence of great art, whether it be music or art or different types of performances. Wow. And that was a great run uh, for seven years. But unfortunately, Copia wasn't able to sustain itself for a number of reasons. And when you know, the recession of 2008 hit, they closed their doors. But I was fortunate to go be offered a job at that point to work for Constellation Brands, where I am now. And well, uh, while I was at Copia, as well as here at Constellation, my role has been education. So I, I love just talking about wine, sharing great wines and stories with people who are interested in learning more about the subject. And fortunately, you are in the Napa Valley and you don't have to make wine. No, I don't. I just enjoy (laughs) it (laughs) and lots of it. Isn't that great? I mean, I remember interviewing Robert Young once and he was talking about just growing grapes and Mm. said, you know, growing grapes has its pleasures too. It's better than making wine. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Exactly. And we like to say we live in God's country here. I mean, especially this time of year, it's spring and the mustard is out and, you know, the buds are starting to swell. In some places we have bud break. There's just the scent in the air that just brings the the dormant winter season to life. And it's so, any time of the year is great to be in Napa or any wine country for that matter. But Particularly, the spring is my favorite time of year. Looks like we're going to have an early spring here. Well, I've seen the Napa Valley grow over the years. I started my career in journalism as an editor at California Business Magazine, which is now defunct, but was in the go-go 80s. And I remember going up and writing. I wrote about the business of wine, which actually is more fun than tasting. It's not more Mm -hmm. fun than tasting wine, but it's easier. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. And my gosh, how even then, I guess it was 79 or 81 when I was up there for the first time. And just the growth has been just nothing short of phenomenal. Absolutely. Uh, At any rate. Well, tell us a little bit about Constellation Wine. Constellation is, we're not the largest wine company. Some people think we're quite large. Indeed, we are. But Gallo's bigger than we are. Wine Group is larger as well. But we like to say we're the largest luxury wine producer in the world. So here in Napa Valley, we have Robert Mondavi Winery, Mount Veter, Franciscan. In Sonoma, we have Ravenswood, Simi, and Clos Bois. If you go down the south coast, we have Estancia and Wild Horse. Oh. Hogue Winery in Washington State, Kim Crawford and Nabolo and Drylands from New Zealand, and also Rafino from Italy. And for dessert, we have Inniskillen from Canada. Oh, my. And those uh, are just a few. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Elizabeth and I were invited to harvest ice vine once. Uh-huh. Uh, we didn't. Uh, <laughs> after giving it thought and the Niagara escarpment, we decided that perhaps picking grapes in January was not one of the great ideas in the world. 
Yeah, especially if you're used to living in Southern California. Uh, definitely. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, my yeah. heaven. You have a really a constellation of great wines there, great vineyards. Obviously, you've seen the wine industry change. What sort of changes have you seen in it? Well, I would say, well, certainly it's exploded in growth. And I think what Robert Mondavi always aspired to was to create a culture around wine in America. And I've finally seen that take foothold. It's amazing how many people enjoy wine. You go out to dinner and you see the number of bottles of wine on a rest, at a restaurant, whereas before you used to see them drinking martinis and cocktails. Today, of course, people are enjoying all sorts of alcoholic beverages, but wine has certainly become more the norm and definitely more of a part of our culture. Well, I, I was in a last, I guess it was last weekend or weekend before last, I was in a dinner at the Grange restaurant, which is in the Citizen Hotel in Sacramento. And David Beardley, I believe it was, was the mm -hmm. wine expert there. We had 10 wines with dinner and wow. they were all local. And the thing that just blew me away is, and you know, they varied in appeal, I guess. They were all excellent wines, was the diversity of them and just the incredible range of wine that you can find in California. That's right. It's truly awe-inspiring. And one of the things that I love about wine is that it's dynamic. It's always changing. You know, I typically get bored very easily. And one of the nice things about the wine industry is there's always more to know and always new things to learn about. And I didn't mention it yet, but I am a master of wine. And I often Ooh. tell people that the greatest lesson I've learned as a master of wine is that wine can never truly be mastered. Because as I just said, there's, there's always things that are coming up that you need to learn about or should you know, discover as part of your enjoyment. Being a master of wine elevates you into a rarefied atmosphere. There are very, very few masters of wine. A lot of sommeliers, but very few masters of wine. Yeah, we only, uh, we only have about 32 in North America. We like to say North America because we include four individuals that live in Canada. But I think we've got a number of young MW students that are very close or on the cusp of passing. So I think our numbers are going to increase quite a bit in the next few years. But it is still one of those, I guess, rarefied titles that you can achieve. But like I said, it's one of the things that I've learned in going through the program is that it's a very humbling experience. <laughs> yes. It's, and that's, that's what I love teaching about wine to other people is that it is definitely something that I remember where I started. I remember where the you know, beginning of not be able to produce wine or produce terms like Gewürztraminer. <laughs> I was pronouncing it Gewürztraminer until I got corrected. And I always think about that when I get up and teach a wine class so that I remember that everybody has to start somewhere. And that's what is so enjoyable about my job is when you have people who have that, that glisten or the gleam in their eye as they taste something that just is a new experience that they have never enjoyed before and they you know, have that light bulb that goes off in their head that they get it and they understand why it tastes the way it does based on where it comes from or what the winemaker did and all that sort of thing. Well, you could graduate from Gewürztraminer to Trockenbeer and Auschwitz. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Since we mentioned the master of wine, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but since there are, I mean, this is truly a recognition of genius, I think. Tell us about the final, how you finally become a master mm -hmm. of wine. Well, there is a prescribed course of action. So when you decide you want to enter the MW program, you 
first must sign up and be accepted into the education program. And they require you to attend two years of educational training. And the basis of this is an annual education seminar that we hold actually out here in the Bay Area, either in San Francisco or Napa Valley. But you could also um, register for the course that's in the UK. You can go to Europe. You can go to New Zealand or Australia. They bounce back and forth between those countries. So once a year, there's multiple locations where you can go for your education training. In addition to that, you are assigned a mentor and you're required to do practice exam essay questions and blind tastings. But when you finally get to the exam, there's two significant parts of the exam. There's a blind tasting, which takes place over three days. Each day you have a paper of 12 wines and you have two hours and 15 minutes to write the answers. It's all you know handwritten. They haven't gotten to using keyboards in the tasting exam yet, but the first Paper one, they call it, is usually white wines. Paper two is traditionally red wines. And then paper three would be your sparkling fortified dessert wines. But sometimes they can throw in an oddball now and then into the paper three as well. Well, and, and we then, should say that this is, we reemphasize that this is a blind tasting. It's a you blind tasting. You have no idea what you're tasting other than, I suppose, right. it's red or white. <laughs> Exactly. And one of the things that you know, people say, what's the difference between an MW and a master sommelier? Well, there's a lot of differences you know, depending on you know, where your profession lies. You know, MSs tend to be more involved in the restaurant or on-premise side of the business. But one of the things that's different in the tasting is with the MS, you have six wines and you are up in front of your judges and you're told to identify what the wine is and go through their tasting grid. Well, our exam, as I mentioned, is all written. And the questions relate not just to identifying you know, the grape variety or the region, but a lot of the questions relate to what are the winemaking techniques that are employed here. Describe the quality and assess the maturity of this wine, meaning you know, how long do you think this wine would age, if at all? Questions about commercial position. Where do you see this wine being sold? What I really like about the Master Wine is it takes your knowledge and you need to then apply it in a real-world context, particularly in the business applications that are so important, I think, in today's business. So being able to understand the wine and say this wine would be appropriate for wine by the glass in a bistro-style environment, or this is a collectible wine that would be best served at a luxury white tablecloth restaurant or maybe sold at auction, you know, that kind of thing. So that's just the tasting part. And then on top of that, there's five days of the theory exam, and there's three hours each day on essay writing. So they have allowed laptops to be used for the theory exam, but again, you've got typically you've got a morning tasting for three days and then afternoon uh, essays for the other five days. And that's if you total up all those hours, that's 15 hours of essay writing and then six plus hours of blind tasting. And it's a grueling, <laughs> it's a grueling exam over that period. Then if you pass your tasting and you pass your theory, then you have to write a research paper. So it's kind of the third and final piece. Oh, I didn't know almost about like that. Doing a, yeah. Almost like doing a, you know, your dissertation, if you will. And if you pass all those three parts, then you become an MW. Which is, in the world of wine, about as, you know, other than perhaps owning Chateau Haubriand or something like that, <laughs> being a master of wine is the next best thing. <laughs> it's pretty good. I'll tell you that. It, it, for me, it has opened up many, many doors. Oh, um, I'm sure. And the opportunity to obviously meet with many people and just appreciate wine from a different perspective that I never would have realized if I had not gone through this program. I can imagine. Well, congratulations to successfully completing it too. That was a long time ago though. Well, I I imagine it never leaves you. (laughs) No, it doesn't. Yeah. And I am involved with mentoring upcoming students. It's a good way to keep me uh, abreast of all the changes that are taking place in, in the world of wine. 
Well, the first master of one I met was Michael Jordan, who was with mm-hmm. Disney Corporation and mm-hmm. now has gone out on his own. And uh, right. But what an experience that was. And when I heard about it, I thought, well, number one, I don't think I will ever become a master of wine. And number two, what an honor and what a privilege to even know someone who's a master of wine. So congratulations again. Well, thank you. Well, uh, so, okay, if you want to hang out with a master of wine, and believe me, there aren't a lot of them, Ama Waterways might be the way to do it. That's one way. (laughs) Peter, you headed up a wine cruise last year. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, absolutely. We had an amazing, and I mean truly amazing trip. You know, for me, I'm working a little bit because I'm putting on four tastings and a dinner and so on. But I was fortunate to be able to take my wife along. And she's traveled broadly more than I have throughout the world. And she said, this was in her top three vacations. And then I said, what were the other ones? And she says, well, the honeymoon. (laughs) And first time, you know, we took our kids, we're big San Francisco giant fans. And the first time we went to spring training as a family. And that's how good a trip it was from her perspective. But what I really loved about the Emma Waterways trip, and we were on the trip that went along the Seine River from uh, Paris out to Normandy and back again. What an amazing part of France that is. Oh, it's gorgeous. And we were blessed. It was in November, but we had just terrific weather. We had one day when it rained a little bit. That happened to be a day when I chose to go out on one of the excursions, which was led by uh, on bikes. So we got a little oh, bit oh, wet. Yeah. But uh, as we got back, we had some nice hot chocolate to warm us up. But the weather was pretty beautiful and, you know, coolish. But again, we weren't hampered too much by rain. The amazing aspect for me was the when you are on a cruise like this along the river, you when you stop in port at a various locations, you basically walk right into town. I mean, there's no tendering. There's there's no type of customs to go through or anything. You just, you're one block away from going into a fine restaurant or a museum or a wine shop. And for me, it was, you really got a sense of the culture of where you were and, and being able to interact with people. Well, I think that's what makes river cruising, especially on Ama, what a privilege it would be to hang out with a master of wine on an Ama mm-hmm. river cruise. Now, did you get all kinds of people coming up to you and saying, what wine should I have for dinner? <laughs> um, well, they had already chosen the wines, which actually were <laughs> probably a good delicious. idea. But that's the other nice thing. I mean, you're amongst a group of, we had about 150 passengers or so, and that's a small enough number of people where by the end of the week, you know everybody's names, and you become quite good friends with a number of them as well, and whether it's just while you're out walking through the town or on a bike ride or then a glass of wine before dinner, you get to meet these people and interact with them, and they ask questions of of me as well as any topic that might be of interest. And we had a number of people from the Midwest on this trip in particular, and a lot of them had not been out to Napa. So, of course, I invited everybody to come out, and many of those folks have already taken me up on the offer. So (laughs) it's a great way to just share great times with great food and and great people. Well, that's for sure. Now, are you going to do another cruise this year or next year? Uh, Next year in 2016. Uh, So check out com, and you can find out where Peter Marks is going to be cruising next year and and then you could talk wine for a whole week wouldn't that be that's wonderful? right <laughs> that's a, right yeah and actually i'll let you know we're going to be um we're going to be on the cruise which is on the ama dante leaving august 11th and it's a cruise that will be leaving amsterdam and going along the rhine river that so, should be gorgeous yes yeah, and if you've be. never been to germany before i mean some of the most beautiful vineyards in the world are you know perched on these steep hillsides along the banks of the river and particularly in august it should be absolutely gorgeous 
should be you'll be able to watch those people hanging from the ropes pruning the vines. That's right, exactly. The vines, they do that. Say. That's you know, right. the Germans say the Germans say where a plow can go, no grapes sh- should be grown. So, <laughs> and that's true. I mean, you, that you, is steep true. hillsides are all all what it's about. <laughs> well, Peter Marks Constellation Wines, thank you so much for joining us here. And Peter, do you have a website or or how to keep in touch with you as well? Sure. Um, well, we have, the, I, again, I work for Constellation Brands, and the team that I head up is called the Academy of Wine. So the Academy of Wine is the education team of Constellation, and we actually have our own website, which is academyofwine.com. That's great, academyofwine.com. And That's... you can be in touch with or keep up with Peter Marks. Peter, thank you so much for joining us here on Travel. Thank you, Paul. It's been great talking with you.